Okay, we're going to, this morning as we continue in uh, John, we're going to come to the end of chapter 3. Uh, that great chapter where Nicodemus comes to see Jesus because he's really wanting to know about the kingdom of God. And Jesus actually shocks him because he thinks that just because he's a, a Jew, belongs to the nation of Israel, that he's automatically qualified for the kingdom of heaven. But Jesus says to him, what? You must be born again. If you're not born again, you'll not enter the kingdom of heaven. And then, of course, he shares with him how to be born again by believing in Jesus. And that's what we're going to look at uh, this morning as we come to the end of that chapter. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. You know, the gospel is so simple, isn't it? Yes. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. So let's start at verse 22, John chapter 3, 22 to 24. After these things, as after that encounter with Nicodemus, Jesus and his disciples came into the land of Judea. And there he remained with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing in Aenon near Salem, because there was much water there. And they came and were baptized for John had not yet been thrown into prison. So we see here something quite interesting. John's baptizing and so is Jesus. Was it the same baptism? We're going to look at that this morning because this is an important question. In fact, a lot of people seem to be confused about baptism right now. So it'd be good to look at this. But before we do that, we'll look at a, a couple of things first. And notice it says that John was baptizing in Anon. Why? Because there was much water there, which indicates that baptism is by full immersion. You've got to have enough water to immerse a person, not sprinkle water on them. Otherwise, you can go to a well, get a bucket of water and baptize a lot of people. But he went to this place because there was much water there. The very meaning of the word baptism is to immerse completely in liquid and uh, so that's the first point. The second point is this, and we'll read on here, is that, just to clarify, it was not Jesus who baptised, but his disciples who baptised on his behalf. That's clear in the next chapter, the first two verses. Therefore, when the Lord knew that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus made and baptised more disciples than John, though John, sorry, though Jesus himself did not baptise, but his disciples okay so uh, a little bit like Paul remember Paul uh, rejoiced in the fact that he didn't baptize many in case people would start saying I got baptized by Paul as if there was some special merit in being baptized by a specific person even Jesus didn't baptize some people actually say and I've heard them say you know uh, I got baptized in the river Jordan uh, even though they were baptized before that, <laughs> when they went to the, uh, the, you know, the, the land of Israel, they got baptized in the River Jordan as if there's a, an extra blessing in that. There's not. Baptism is baptism, okay? And uh, so anyway, let's move on and let's look at this question of John was baptizing, Jesus was baptizing. Was it the same? Jesus' baptism included John's call to repentance, but it went further calling for faith in the gospel okay now you remember John when he came baptizing uh, he called people to repentance it was a baptism of repentance repentance means to change your mind 
because people were deluded. They thought as long as we are Israelites, we're okay. And yet their lives were totally out of order. And then John named, you know, the sins that they were committing and he called them to repentance, to change their mind. But, but you know, that call to repentance, repentance in itself and even baptism could not change anyone. He was just calling them to repent, to have a change of mind. And of course, he was preparing people for Jesus. Prepare the way. You know, the Lord is coming and he's the one that would save us. So we read that after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, which is what John said, but he didn't go further. Repent and Believe in the gospel. The gospel is the good news. And uh, we know what the good news is. In fact, Jesus shared that with, with uh, Nicodemus, didn't he? God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. That's the gospel. That's good news. Repent, have a change of mind and believe in the gospel. Believe in Jesus. Now we see its meaning in his own baptism. That is Jesus's own baptism. We see the, the meaning of baptism in his own baptism, which took place before he baptized anyone. He said that his baptism was to fulfill all righteousness. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized him and John tried to prevent him. He was shocked, remember? And he said, I need to be baptized by you and you are coming to me. But Jesus answered and said to him, permit it to be so now. For thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. So when Jesus was baptized, he was enacting what would take place at the cross. He came into the waters of judgment, the waters of God's wrath. As he was immersed in the water, it was like the wrath of God would pass over him in full and, and descend upon him. And he would receive God's judgment for each and every one of us. And as he was brought up out of the water, it was a symbol that he was the first fruits of the new creation of which we are. Apart, We are a part of the new creation. And then when that happened, heaven opened. And God said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And so God is pleased with all those who are in Christ. Because when we are baptized, when we believe in Christ, we are baptized into him and are joined to him. So what is true of him is true of us now. His righteousness is imputed to us. And God is well pleased with us. Amen. Don't go around thinking, is God pleased with me today? Is God not pleased with me? Should I have done this? Should I have done that? Would God like me better if I had done that and if I hadn't done this? No, God is well pleased with you because your righteousness has been imputed to you by Jesus. It's his own righteousness. Amen. Now, what about this repentance thing then? The change in lifestyle which John called for is made possible for us because when we are baptized into Christ, we are baptized in the spirit. This is what makes all the difference. John called people to repentance, but he didn't empower them to repentance. He didn't give them the ability to change their lives. They just knew they had to. But 
uh, John said, I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fan is in his hand and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn the chaff up the chaff with unquenchable fire. That's what Jesus does. He's the one that saves us. He's the one that changes us. And, and he gives us the Holy Spirit. And, and so when you become a Christian, now you're in the Spirit. You're not in the flesh. You're not reckoning on your own resources anymore. You're reckoning on the power of the indwelling Spirit. So the Bible speaks about us being led by the Spirit. And by the Spirit, putting to death the deeds of the body. And, and, and everything is by the Spirit. Amen. I like what um, uh, David Pawson, who's now with the Lord, a great Bible teacher. Uh, but I like what he said about this. He said, when, when, when a person comes to Christ, they respond. The gospel is a response to every person in the Trinity. It's repentance towards the Father. First of all, what, what, what does that mean? Well, what is sin? What is sin? Sin in its beginning in the garden was believing the lie you don't need God, you can be God. So sin is to disconnect from God thinking I don't need God, I can do it on my own, I can go alone. Repentance is to change your mind, say you know what, I can't. I wasn't even meant to, I wasn't created to live a life independent of God. I was created to be connected to him and to be joined to him and to be dependent upon him and to live by his life. As we've seen, you know, we're branches in the vine now, living from the life of Jesus. So repentance is to admit that, to have a change of mind. And then it's faith towards the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our response to Jesus. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that when he died on the cross, he died for you. Believe that. Put your trust in him. And he will impart his righteousness to you. And then receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the Holy Spirit. So it's a response to every person of the Trinity. You know, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're saying, I need to now live by the Spirit and in his strength and trust in his working in me. So John's baptism was right for that period of preparation for Jesus. It was the first stage. But now our focus is on Jesus. Now, even in the church age, which we read about in Acts, John's disciples could be found. So there were some people who never progressed beyond John, even in the book of Acts. They hadn't heard the full gospel. They believed in John, but they didn't go beyond that. Now, here's two examples very close together in the book of Acts. The first one is in Acts chapter 18, where we come across this guy called Apollos. Now, we know later that Apollos became a great preacher, a great teacher. You know, Paul says, I've sown and Apollos watered, but God gives the increase. But at that time when he's introduced, though he was mighty in the scriptures, he knew the word of God, the Old Testament scriptures, the Bible says that he, he only knew John's baptism. He only knew John's baptism. And there was a couple there, uh, Aquila and Priscilla. And the Bible says they took him aside. That's the way to correct someone, by the way. 
not publicly on Facebook. <laughs> you know, be gracious. They took him aside and taught him the way of God more excellently. Isn't that beautiful? And then he became this great preacher, preaching Jesus. But at that point, he only knew the baptism of John. Then you go into the next chapter, Acts chapter 19, and Paul comes to Ephesus and he finds a group of believers and he doesn't know where they're at spiritually. So he starts at the third point. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? I said, Holy Spirit? We haven't heard about any Holy Spirit. So he goes back to step two. Okay, then what baptism were you baptized into? They said, John's baptism. Okay, so you've only taken the first step, repentance towards God. Now he baptized them in the name of Jesus. They put their trust in Jesus. Obviously he heard about the gospel. And then he laid his hands upon them and they received the Holy Spirit. Isn't that beautiful? So new covenant baptism is distinct and was officially instituted after the resurrection. Remember Matthew chapter 28, we call this the Great Commission. Jesus said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Emphasizing there that we have a response to each one, as I've just shared. So I hope that that, that clarifies a little bit on uh, baptism. But we'll move on. Verse 25 and 26 now. Then there arose a dispute between some of John's disciples and the Jews about purification. Now, I believe that that means uh, baptism. Um, and we'll, we'll just look at that in a minute. Washings is another thing, but baptism. And they came to John and said to him, Rabbi, he who was with you beyond the Jordan, talking about Jesus, to whom you have testified, behold, he is baptizing and all are coming to him. Now, John dealt with two issues here. Actually, since we've been studying John's gospel, I've, I've got to love John the Baptist a lot more than what I did previously. He's quite a unique person. But he dealt with two issues here. First of all, there were the Jewish leaders who were arguing with him. Okay, so there was this another dispute. It seems like they were always coming to him and criticizing him, picking on him, judging him and criticizing him. Why are you doing this? You know, who gave you authority to baptize all these people? Because they had an issue with this. Because, you know, as I said to you previously, baptism was an initiation for Gentiles coming into Judaism. But these were already Jews and they were getting baptized. So they don't need that. They've got us. We'll look after them. We're the hierarchy. And, 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 you know, you've got no credentials from us to be doing this thing. They kept coming and arguing with him. This purification thing, this, this was baptism. And so the first thing then is he had to deal with that. Um, this is the same as what we read in chapter 1, verse 19. Now, this is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? Okay. So that was the first thing that the, he had to deal with. And then the second thing there was his disciples, John's disciples, who were envious of Jesus' success. And they wanted to know why John's ministry was now beginning to, uh, being eclipsed by that of Jesus. Basically, they were saying, you bore witness to him. Now, he's got more followers than you. They were jealous for John because Jesus' ministry was growing and John's was declining. So these are the two things that John's dealing with now. So in, first of all, in response 
John was neither intimidated by the Jews who kept coming and criticizing him. What, what was his response? He kept on baptizing. He kept on preaching and preparing people for Jesus. And so we'll look at that first of all. You know, criticism is a terrible thing. It, it does a lot of damage to people, you know. And um, it's a big thing today, especially online. Online, you know, there, there was something that came out this week. It said that, um, I won't name the um, social media platform, but one is being taken to court because two teenagers took their lives because of the bullying that took place online. And, and, and you know, they had a duty of care and they never exercised that duty of care. And, and you know, we, we can say sticks and stones may break my bones, but names will never hurt me. But it does hurt when people can constantly pick on you. John was constantly picked on by, by these people. They kept coming to him, trying to discourage him. Obviously, Satan was sending these people. That's what he does. He's the accuser of the brethren. Sometimes my granddaughter stays with me and, um, you know, when she goes to bed, I tell her a story. And um, I used to tell my grandson's stories, which I made up, you know, that make them up, called the Pooch Gang. You know, a gang of different breeds of dogs that got together in a gang and hung out together, got up to a bit of mischief and that sort of thing. And uh, the funny thing is, every night I could come up with a story. I never thought about it during the day, but just as he needed it, I just made it up as I went along. I should have written them down. You know, there's money to be made out of kids' <laughs> stories, really. I forget them all. But then, you know, about sort of 15 years later, my granddaughter comes along and I'm telling the pooch gang stories again. But anyway, this one wasn't actually a, really a pooch gang story, but it was a, the old story or illustration I told her, was, I said, look, there was this uh, beautiful night and it was a full moon. And, and it was so, the moon was shining so bright. And this guy was walking along the road, but the, the, the moon was hidden because he was walking and the houses, you know, were, were keeping the moon from him. But then he come to this alleyway and there was the moon shining down in all its brightness. And you could see everything in that alleyway. There were the wheelie bins, you know, uh, rubbish on the, the ground and the stray cat walking around. And there in the middle of this alley was a dog looking up at the moon and barking and barking and barking. It just stopped barking at the moon. And then I didn't say anything more and Isla's looking up at me. She said, yeah, well, what happened? I said, nothing. The moon just kept on shining. <laughs> And the dog kept on barking. <laughs> See, that's what dogs do. They just bark, but the moon shines. I said, you know, as you go through this life, people will always criticize you and judge you, and, but just keep shining. Now, when you bring this over into the story that we're looking at now, it's a perfect story because John says, I'm not the light, but I've come to bear witness of the light. And the moon doesn't have any, you know, we've been talking about the moon, haven't we? but the moon does not have any inherent light, any light of its... It shines from borrowed light. It reflects the light of the sun. Amen? And that's like us. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. But then when he went, he said, you're the light of the world. But we know that that light is his light reflecting. Now, Satan wants to put that light out. He wants you to go away and stop shining like he wanted John to. Amen? 
but just keep shining. You know, the dogs will bark. That's okay. But you, you, you know, you're the church. You, you're the light of the world. Just keep shining. Just keep reflecting. You're not here for long, friends. So let's just keep doing what God has called us to do while we're here and keep shining his light. Let his light shine. Amen. Now, what about this other issue then? Um, you, he wasn't intimidated by the Jews who were criticizing him. He kept on baptizing, kept on preaching. Nor was he discouraged or envious by the success of Jesus, even though it was his, at his own expense. They were leaving John and going to Jesus. And the disciples were troubled about this. They said, you know, you, you, you're the one that gave him the introduction and pointed men to him. Now they're all going after him and not you. So what did John say about that? John answered and said, a man can receive nothing unless it has been given to him from heaven. You yourselves bear me witness that I said, I am not the Christ, but I have been sent before him. He who has the bride is the bridegroom, but the friend of the bridegroom who stands and hears him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. Therefore, this joy of mine is fulfilled. He must increase, but I must decrease. So John's response to what, you know, Jesus' success and his own decline was threefold. Two, two, two reasons are given here, and then the last one we'll see in just a moment. First of all, he says, no one can have any ministry unless God gives it to them. Amen. So if Jesus is successful and all the crowds are going after him is because he's from God. No one can have lasting fruit and success unless they have a ministry given to them by God. Remember that John himself was a man sent by God. That's why he was such a great success. He went out there in the wilderness and, you know, was it um, camel's hair or whatever and started preaching and oh the multitudes come why because he was a man sent from god now you've heard this the saying some are sent and the rest just went <laughs> and uh, when you when you get mature in the lord you you have this discernment sent went <laughs> isn't that right you can you can pick those that are genuinely caught and sent and those that are having a go all right but Jesus, uh, John says, no one can have anything unless it's been given to them from heaven. Paul says a similar thing. Who makes you differ from another? And what do you have that you did not receive? Now, if you did indeed receive it, why do you boast as if you had not received it? Every one of us have gifts. They've all been given to us. We've got nothing to boast about. They were given to us by God. Without that empowering, that gifting, we could not function in that way. If it is given, it's ministry. If it's taken, it's stealth. Okay, some people try to make things happen, try to take a ministry to themselves. God hasn't given it to them, that's stealth. But God gives ministry and once it's given, it's not taken back. The gifts and the callings of God are without repentance. God never changes his mind. When he gives somebody something, it's theirs to function with. So if it's from God, don't be jealous. And don't oppose it, for nothing can overthrow it if it's from God. Now, here's the problem. Sometimes ministries operate through, you know, because Paul says we have this treasure in earthen vessels. Amen? 
And sometimes, you know, we don't like the vessel through which it comes. Well, that's okay. Drink from another vessel. But don't oppose that ministry because the ministry is from God. We have this, this treasure in earthen vessels. Amen. Now, if it's not from God, it will come to nothing. So that's the first thing he said. Okay, if people are going after him. They can only do that because God is with him. Second thing. He said he was not disappointed that people were leaving him and going to Jesus because he always said he was not the Christ, but came to prepare the way for the Christ. Having said that, he did have a role. We have a role to play. And his role was like that of the best man to a bridegroom. What a way to describe his ministry. I love that. Um, you know, the best man... He prepares everything, that everything will go well for the bride and the bridegroom. Everything's about them. Every, that's, as long as their day is a success, he's happy. Okay? Now, I don't know if you've ever been to a, a wedding where, where the best man tries to upstage the, the bridegroom. It's terrible. Because it's not about the best man. The best man is there to make sure that everything goes well and the focus is on the bridegroom and the bride. And John said, that's, that's my ministry. And, and so, therefore, I don't, I don't just accept that. I have joy in that. When I hear his voice, the bridegroom, I rejoice. That's what it's about. It's all about Jesus and people focusing on him. So the more I am truly occupied with Christ, the less I shall be occupied with myself. That's an important point. Because humility is not the product of direct cultivation. It is a byproduct. In other words, what I'm saying here is this. If you set out to be humble, you will not be humble. If you say, I'm really going to be a humble person, you won't be a humble person. It's not the product of direct cultivation. You can't cultivate humility in that sense. You see, it's a byproduct. What is it a byproduct of? It's a byproduct of lifting up Jesus. The more I try to be humble, the less I will attain it. God, God doesn't want you to lift yourself up, but he doesn't want you to put yourself down. He wants you to be finished with yourself. Amen? I am crucified with Christ. Amen? It's no longer I that live. It's Christ that lives in me. It's all about Jesus now, living in me and through me. Amen? But the more I'm truly occupied with him, constantly lifting him up and beholding his glory in the mirror of God's word, the more I will become like him. Amen. Amen. You know, it's, it's interesting the way that John put this. He didn't say, I must decrease and he must increase. In other words, I've got to really work on, on, on you know, humbling myself. No, he said, he must increase first. He must increase and I must decrease. As, as he increases, so we will decrease. The focus will not be on us, but it'll be upon him. And of course, he was the humblest person of all. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who though in the form of God, etc., etc., he humbled himself, became a man, and humbled himself even to the point of the, the cross. Amen. Okay, let's look at the third uh, answer that John, or reason that John said he was not disappointed. He said, look, Jesus is from above. John is from the earth. Jesus was and is God from heaven. How can anyone be disappointed that Jesus is getting more attention than they are? 
It's all about Jesus. John says, he who comes from above is above all. He who is of the earth is earthly and speaks of the earth. He who comes from heaven is above all. And what he has seen and heard, that he testifies, and no one receives his testimony. He who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. For he whom God has sent speaks the words of God, for God does not give the Spirit by measure. That's under Jesus. Okay? Every Christian has a measure of truth and knowledge. Jesus is the fullness of the prophets had fragments, you remember? Um, Hebrews says that uh, the, 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 they spoke in different times, in different ways, in different... They had different aspects of understanding and they brought what they, what they had. They, no one had the fullness. But Jesus is the fullness. When he came, he brought the fullness. He, he is not a messenger, but he is the message of God to us. That's what John, John was saying. I'm a messenger... He's the message. He's the full message from God to us. Jesus dwelt in the bosom of the Father and everything he said was from the Father. The Father himself confirmed this in Matthew 17 verse 5. Remember the, trans, the transfiguration. And Peter wanted to build a shrine for, for Moses and Elijah and Jesus, putting them all on equal status. And God said, this is my beloved son, hear him. Moses and the prophets pointed towards Jesus. Jesus is the message. And then they opened their eyes and they saw no one but Jesus only. Jesus transfigured, Jesus glorified before their eyes. Now there never was a time when one needed to decide whether he uh, needed to decide what he said was from the Father or not. And when you hear me, for example, you have to decide, is this from God? Is this the truth? I hope you do that. Uh, no, one's got, no, no one has got a monopoly on truth. No one has got a total handle on truth. And, and so if I say something, you check it out with the word of God. You never had to do that with Jesus. He was from the Father. Everything he brought was from the Father. And he's, you know, in him is the fullness portrayed. Many did not receive Jesus, but those who do set their seal to God's testimony of Jesus. Those who receive Jesus pay honour to the Father by declaring that his testimony of Jesus is true. He who believes in the Son of God has the witness in himself. He who does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed the testimony that God has given of his Son. Okay, we finish up with this. Last two verses in John 3. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hand. He who believes in the Son has everlasting life. And he who does not believe the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. So only to one absolutely equal with himself could, God, could the Father give all things. He's given everything to Jesus because he's co-equal with him. To believe in the Son results in eternal life. In contrast, the wrath of God remains on those who reject the Son. See, Jesus took the sins of the world upon him. 
We were talking about this before. You know. Jesus took every sin upon himself. All we need to do is to trust him, to believe in him. That's not difficult, is it? It's not, it's not asking anything, but to put our trust in Jesus. Now, the wrath of God is already abiding on those who do not. That's why Jesus said, if you do not receive me, you will die in your sins. But if you do receive me, you've got nothing to fear, nothing to worry about. The gospel then is a call to believe in Christ and to receive everlasting life. You know, this week I received a message from someone overseas and they just asked, how can I be saved? How? What is the way of salvation? I wish I'd get more people ask me that question. That's the most important question anybody could ask. And the answer is very simple. I didn't complicate it. I said, Jesus died for you on the cross for all your sins. Put your trust in him. Not in yourself, but trust in him and you will be saved. That person, I don't know, they, they said they were going to watch this morning. I don't know whether they are or not, but that's the message. That's it. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will have everlasting life. Amen. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you this morning for the good news of the gospel. We thank you, Lord, that in Jesus we have life, life abundant and life eternal. And I pray for anyone listening today, Lord, whether it's live or whether it's online later on, Lord, we just pray that they will put their trust in Jesus. Anyone who's never done that, that they will look and live. Look to Jesus, believe in him, trust in him, and be saved today. We ask it in his wonderful name. And everybody said, Amen. Amen.